Welcome back, folks, to the In Defiance of Modern Society podcast. This is episode number two, for which I'm going to title it, Everything is My Teacher. Now, these are my musings as I wander through life in search of God, wisdom, and truth, and what I believe to be a lost civilization. And now I say that because I feel not only myself, but many people are searching for purpose, searching for fulfillment in a world that seems to be already discovered. What is there left for us to, to find? Now, many of us have responsibilities, requirements daily, lives, jobs, families, children, parents, ill family members, bosses yelling at you, all this stuff. Well, I'm very fortunate I don't have that right now. But I have the responsibility of my own life. And as I discussed in the previous podcast, I defined who I was. I defined what this podcast was going to be. And I was an athletic trainer for, I would say, 13 years. You know, that, that's how long the, the, the career lasted from start to finish. Uh, it, was, it started in 2007. Actually, it was April 20th, 2007. I remember the day because I, I got a couple tattoos on my back that day with uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine. And I got these tattoos, went and talked to the head athletic trainer, um, Doc, Doc Edwards at Western Kentucky University. And I said, hey, I, I want to come help. And he said, sure, come on down. He, he didn't kind of know what to do with me at the time. I didn't know what to do with him. But I was like, I just want to do this because I was a... Yeah, I was a senior at the time, even though I took a victory lap, a fifth year. Uh, but I knew after looking in a anatomy book, at, when I was at my ex-girlfriend's uh, dorm room, looked down at an anatomy book, saw a picture of a cadaver, and I said, I want to be an athletic trainer. That's how I'm going to get to the NHL. And I looked up online that night, you know, schools, and Seton Hall popped up. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go back to Jersey, because I knew she was going to Drexel, which was in Philadelphia. And, you know, at the time, we'd been together for a while. We thought we'd be together for a while, and we were uh, to a point. But then life happens, and, you know, people change, and you grow apart, and you move on. But I followed what my heart was telling me. And for 13 years, I loved doing what I was doing. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit, and we got sent home. I was uh, working in professional hockey at the time. And I saw writing on the wall, and I saw it was going to get really weird. And when they were trying to ramp back up, I decided to step away. And that meant I didn't have an external motivating factor for my own life. That my purpose, which my goal within that purpose was to get to the Stanley Cup, get my name on the cup, just like every hockey kid's dream. You know, when you're in your driveway and you're playing with your stick and puck and you know, you're five years old, 10 years or whatever you are, you're dreaming of scoring the game seven Stanley Cup winning goal. And, you know, I was very fortunate that I was able to win a championship, which, you know, I'll discuss brotherhood at a certain point in this podcast because I feel that that ties into, you know, rites of passage and, and aspects that we lack in society currently that I feel would benefit us, you know, so many things to discuss. And, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because this podcast, I want to, uh, this episode of this podcast is going to be about teaching and the influences I had and, you know, the, the step away from my former career meant that I didn't have an external motivating factor anymore for my own life, that my life was in my control. 
that to move forward, it was on me, whether I succeed or fail. And, you know, over the last year plus uh, since I stepped away, you know, I've done a lot of different things. And currently, I'm sitting here in Ohio at my dad's house, basically birthing a new child, in essence, which is this podcast, which I feel is going to tie into being able to create rites of passage and working one-on-one, you know, or in a group setting with with mainly guys. I like working with men because it's just what I'm used to. Being in the professional hockey world, I know it. And not to say I can't work with females and women and have fun teaching them, but men... He, he tell them to do these burpees, get dirty. Okay, do this. It, you just you get them to shut up. You know, with with women, I find it it's more in depth talking, and I've had interactions with women lately where you know they'll tell me their life story within a handful of questions, and I love it because that means I get to interact with someone on a deep level. And that's all I want to do with people is interact on a deep level. So, you know, here in this podcast, which. You know, we'll get into after I ramble through this intro. You know, I want to help guide others to their own personal influences so they can find purpose, fulfillment within their life, within their own intrinsic motivating factors, not an extrinsic. And to a point, I'm teaching myself that because it is scary to have your life within your own hands. It's a very unique aspect of life. I'm on one hand thankful, on the other hand scared. But I put God and Jesus Christ, his son, first. And I know that this is all part of the plan. And whatever is going to happen out in the world, whatever darkness, whatever storm is brewing. As I mentioned in the first podcast, be Peter and keep your eyes on Jesus. If you don't, you'll sink as you're walking on that water. Because we can all walk on that water. Whether you want to talk about it metaphorically or literally. I have some theories on the literal aspect of it, but we'll get to that at a different time. For now, let's get into Everything is My Teacher. So, let's delve into this. Everything is My Teacher. Let's delve into what does it mean to be a teacher? What does it mean to be a student? What is it, why is this important? Why do we need this in this life? What, what drives us to find people to help guide us? We can't do it alone. You're, you're birthed into this world and you're this little bumbling mass of tissue that's crying and wet and cold and hot and everything in the first couple of years. You can't talk and all you can do is sort of cry and point and make noises. And you know, funny anecdote, my brother, he struggled a little bit growing up to develop certain aspects of speech. And he would make clicking sounds and point to the cookies or, you know, make a slurping sound and point to the sink. You know, so it, we can figure out ways to communicate. We can teach ourselves but we have to be taught right off the bat. We have to be shown how to do certain things. You know, what, what does it mean to teach? You know, to teach, it's, it's a verb. So it's an action. You know, we have to take action, whether it's for ourselves or from others. You know, you have to impart knowledge of skills, give instruction. You know, but to be a student, that's a noun. It's a, it's a person or an entity engaged in learning, especially one enrolled in a school, which 
School is an interesting topic, uh, especially nowadays you see a lot more people talking about homeschooling their children. You know, do we entrust schooling to the masses or do we entrust schooling to ourselves or to a trusted individual? You know, a student is any person who studies, who investigates or examines thoughtfully. And I'm a lifelong student. I know it. I, I love learning. I love learning new things. I love having new experiences. And I find that I struggle with repeating things, with doing something over and over and over. You know, in my athletic training career, doing what I did, the higher up I got, it felt more repetitive. It felt like the same thing. And, you know, one of, one of my ex-girlfriends, uh, Natalie, she pointed it out in my last couple seasons, I started to break down earlier. You know, at the end of the season, you know, I'd be burnt out and just wanting it to be over, even though it felt like all I was doing was working for the playoffs. Because the playoffs are the playoffs are amazing. Yeah, and I, I'm very fortunate to have a championship, as I've mentioned. Um, and we'll discuss that uh and more on that later. But the the playoffs have a a feeling, an energy. And I'm very fortunate for the seven years of my hockey hold on three yeah, seven years of my hockey career I made the playoffs every year minus the last one we got sent home so nobody made the playoffs but for the six years I actually made playoffs oh they were fun yeah, I went to the Eastern Conference Finals in the East Coast Hockey League once and we had a game seven at home up in Manchester New Hampshire and You want to talk about heartbreak, losing a one-goal game, seeing a a puck go off a crossbar with 30 seconds left when you know if you tied, you'd have won and you were going to the finals. And, you know, that's – it's tough. But I loved new experience. And hockey wasn't being new for me anymore. It was just repetitive, the same thing over and over. And that's why I stepped away to a point, along with other things. But – I'm a lifelong student. In teaching, it's a necessary and valuable part of life. You know, we must learn certain skills so as to be able to interact with others, whether it be able to have the ability to speak clearly such that I'm speaking to you today, attempting to be perfect in my speech, even though I know I will fumble through certain words, but I try to have good verbiage, Try to learn new words. And that's where part of this, you know, I'm defining certain terms as I did in the first episode as I'm doing now. And I'm sure I'll do in future episodes because for me, it's about being a student. But then it's about being the teacher. You know, understanding language to master motor skills such that having the simple ability to walk and run, you you mimic your parents as you're learning to get up off that ground for the first time. It's... It's nice to have someone there who can do it in front of you. And you look and you go, oh, before you can even speak, you learn to push yourself up. Your chest is off the ground. And then all of a sudden you pull your feet in, the knees, and you're on your knees and you use the couch to stand up. And, and, and then all of a sudden you try to walk away and your, your parent is over there trying, you know, coaching you on, hey, come to me, come to me. And it's fun to watch little children. I love watching children at that age because you can see the motor development. You can see them in a perfect squat position and they do a perfect burpee to stand up. And then to a point, I'll make the argument a lot of the stuff's beaten out of us because we sit for however many X hours a day at a school. But I digress. You know, learning motor skills. We must learn cultural norms, societal customs, manners, 
and most importantly, moral values such as honesty. Because if you lie, you're never going to have a friend or friends. If you keep telling them stuff that's not true, you're not going to be believed. You're going to be an outcast. You know? And honesty is such a necessity to life. And the more I've grown, the more I've realized how important truth is. And I, I believe I touched on it in the first podcast. I was a liar as a little kid. And to a point I look back, I, I'm not even sure why I did it. And, and I sit here and I, 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 I think on it and try to feel through, man, I, you know, eight, 10 years old. And, you know, I was in a house where my stepmom was, you know, mentally, verbally abusive. And was I doing it to, to further that, to, to be grounded so I could just be in my room and be left alone? It's kind of hitting me a little bit right now. It might be the case. Maybe I did it on purpose so that I could protect myself in essence as I could do a small ill, be punished for it, knowing what the punishment would be instead of doing something massive and not knowing if I would be smacked again. And I was smacked once. I was around sixth, sixth grade. And I can't even remember what happened, but standing next to the washer and whack, I get hit. I'm like, what just happened? So thankfully, I was never physically abused outside of that one hit to my face when I was just trying to question something that was going on. So again, honesty is huge. You have to be able to learn these things from teachers because if you don't, you're just raised, say, in the wild, you know, by wolves. Yeah, you could learn to run and, you know, catch food and, you know, that whole Tarzan theory. But, you know, which <laughs> when, you, when you really think about that most recent Tarzan movie... I'm sorry, how, how does he interact with a female and do all this stuff at the age he was without knowing certain... T- I, it, again, <laughs> we could delve into that at a different time, but you have to be taught. So you have to be a student. You must be a forever student to grow throughout this life, learning new skills, especially movement skills. As I alluded to earlier, we get movement beat out of us, so you have to relearn how to move, how to get up off the ground appropriately, how to bend over appropriately, because it's not you lifting up a 1,000 pounds once. It's you lifting up the straw a 1,000 times wrong that breaks the back. So we have to learn how to bend over, how to squat. And if you learn how to move appropriately, you can move for 120 years and be fine because our abilities are built for that. Our bodies are built for that. Our, Our abilities. Not sure what that was, but... Learning movement skills, not just gross movement skills, but fine motor skills, such as teaching yourself how to write, not just with your dominant hand, but with your non-dominant hand. You know, so as to keep your brain young, to keep your brain, to have the ability to grow while your body grows old, but your mind stays young. You know, I've taught myself how to shave left-handed, how to eat left-handed, how to write left-handed. When I took over my own health journey 10 years ago, I started eating left-handed. You know, and there's research out there that says it helps fight off Alzheimer's because it adds new connections in your brain. So yeah, maybe this stuff exists. And I've done a lot of scientific research in my day. And, you know, I, I look up articles and stuff. So I don't just, oh, hey, this person said it. It must be good. So I, I find the resources. I want to find where that actual research was done. And from learning how to just eat left-handed, which using a spoon right off the bat with a bowl when you haven't used your non-dominant hand, <laughs> it's fun. But now, you know, I eat with two hands. You know, I got my knife on my right, fork on my left, or, you know, there are times where I might have a lot of food on my plate and being gluttonous, which again, you shouldn't be, but I'd, I'll just do it just for fun. And then I taught myself how to shave left-handed. 
But there's also the aspect of, I, I did this so that I could save my right hand, knowing that it had already done so much work. And, you know, I remember reading in the 4-Hour Body book, um, wow, I'm blanking on that author's name now. It'll come to me. Um, he's been on numerous podcasts. I think he has his own podcast. You know, he's, you know, a really well-versed gentleman. Uh, he's a neuro, he's a neuroengineer or something, but he stepped away from what he was doing to do a lot of other stuff. But in his four-hour book or four-hour body, it, it mentioned once having balance bilaterally within muscle groups, fascia, tendons, and he did like a full body MRI and it showed his right side being more strong or more filled out than his left. And the more I got into my own athletic training career, and this was early before, this was, I think, right around the time I was starting school to become an athletic trainer, I read this book. So I was still doing a lot of learning. And early on in my athletic training career, man, I was reading and videos and, you know, we'll talk about actual tools of teaching in a minute, but I was trying to take in everything I could. And, and now later into my career, I got into what was called PRI, Postural Restoration Institute, which really discusses the in-depth knowledge about being only on one side of our body and where we are kind of based on our right side as a population. And it's called the left AIC pattern, the left anterior inferior chain, which basically means you stand on your right leg, your left leg is kind of opened and tilted out with, you know, think of a, a mom holding a baby hand on her hip and leaning on one leg. That's how we stand as humans. And it's, it's a way we lead to injuries. So we looked at that a lot when we were trying to treat injury prevention. You know, so again, I, I do hope that my musings and rambling trigger something to where it triggers a learning within your own field. And this is where within my own field of health and fitness and you know, nutrition and everything... I sifted through all the data and then I became my own experiment over the last 10 years for which I will be forever grateful. You know, so being a lifelong student, having the teachers I had, I had a great teacher, my dad, who used the Boy Scout laws. I remember I, I lied to him. And I still remember the incident. He had told Doug and I to stay out of this middle room that he closed the door. This middle room had Christmas presents in it that he had wrapped, or I think there might have been some that weren't. And he said, stay out. And he left, and Doug and I are home. And I, you're a little kid. Someone tells you not to do something. What are you doing? You're going in. And I went in, looked around, closed the door. Well, unbeknownst to me, my dad had figured out how to put something on the latch so that we knew, or he knew someone had gone in. And I lied. And he's like, I know you went in. And that's when he introduced me to the Boy Scout laws, which is basically an extension of morals and manners in this life. And to this day, even though the Scouts, they are what they are. I don't believe that they are the organization they used to be, but I am removed. So I don't want to you know, throw anybody under the bus for which I haven't done my own research. But the Boy Scouts taught 12 laws. To be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And it's interesting because I feel that my student teaching relationship within myself began with that trustworthy. Well, another learning lesson. I'm using my phone to record and I got to phone call 13 minutes into my former segment or previous segment and I was touching on 
the 12 laws that were taught by the Boy Scouts. That my teaching began the honesty, the trustworthy aspect. And I feel like I've gone through 10 of them and have come to this reverent part. This part related to God and to Jesus. And this is where my teaching currently is. And it's shown me that for the most part, things in life I really don't want anymore. That I want something grander, which is the afterlife. But while I'm still here, just as Paul struggled when he wrote in the epistles about being alive and just wanting to be with Jesus after seeing this powerful entity come down and give of himself as he did without sin that, well, I'm here to help die and give back before that afterlife. And that's, that's a gift within itself. And you know, even though I am struggling in this aspect of what to do outside of giving to this baby in essence that I am creating, I need to focus on Jesus, not the storm. So that's a teacher, that's the teach, that's a student. But now let's get into approaches in teaching. Now, let's get into some approaches within this teaching. Because there are many ways to be able to get an, a, an idea, a, a subset of knowledge, wisdom, truth across. And everybody learns in different ways. You know, but just a, a quick touch on approaches and teachings. You can use illustrations. You can use objective lessons. You can use current events. You can use stories. Stories which come from experience. You know, a lot of people like to say, let's use the scientific method. Scientific method is cool for certain subsets of things we want to learn and research because it has to be observable, measurable, and repeatable. But stories, stories convey wisdom because it basically, if you think about it, it, gl it gl um, polishes off the failure. And you take the lesson learned from that failure. And this is where there is no such thing as a failure. There's either you either succeed or you learn how not to succeed. You've learned something. So yes, you might have fallen down, but did you pick yourself up? Because as long as you pick yourself up and kept going, you didn't fail. You just your path to success is never exactly linear, straight. It's going to be convoluted. It's going to be curved. It's going to be ups and downs and pitfalls. And I love seeing the pictograms on you know, Instagram where it, it depicts a guy on a bike and you know, there's a tripwire and then he's got to go down into a valley with water and then come back up the mountain and it's, it's rocky or then it's, oh, it's sandy. And it's never just a straight line. So understand that give yourself time in your journey. And, and, I, and it's funny because I say this to you as I'm saying it to myself. You know, you can use lectures and dialogue and rhetorical questions and proverbs. And I actually looked up what a proverb, and then we'll talk about parables in a second, but I looked up what a proverb was. Because I've heard, obviously you can read the proverbs in the Bible, but proverbs don't have to necessarily be biblical. Proverbs are just short popular sayings, usually with an unknown or ancient origin, that expresses a complete truth or a useful thought. Such that the early bird gets the worm. 
Okay, you're not going to find that in the Bible, but that is a proverb. It's a common saying that expresses a useful thought. If you get up early, you do the work, you feel more accomplished. You get up and you make your bed. I know there's a speech by some, I was an admiral or general at a, at a, at a graduation, a college graduation. And he said, just make your bed. He said, all of a sudden, if you make your bed, you've accomplished something for the day. And it starts there because these little accomplishments add up. You know, and I've discussed it already. You know, 10 years I've been on this personal health journey, my own responsibility. Well, you know, now I do tons and tons of pull-ups. When in the past, I would look at myself and go, you did 60 pull-ups? Now I'm like, man, 60 isn't enough. You know, so again, it's perspective, it's growth, it's the journey through this. So use all these different ways to teach not only yourself, but others. Such that Jesus was, he was one of the greatest teachers. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, he said, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone is, who is fully trained will be like the teacher. And what did he like to use? Parables. Which parables are just short allegorical stories designed to illustrate or teach some truth, religious principle, or a moral lesson. Basically, they're indirect comparisons. You know, he talks about the mustard seed and having faith. That he says the mustard seed is the smallest seed you could plant. That once it's planted and if you water and attend to it, it will grow into the largest tree in the garden to where birds will sit on it. And he correlated it to faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will be given the kingdom of heaven. Parables. They can, they're almost similar to riddles in a way. And that's where I've always been just brutal with riddles. And then I eventually found a page on Instagram where it discussed riddles. It it gave you a riddle a day. And then, you know, I'd sit here and sometimes I can figure it out. Sometimes I get an answer that it would fit, but it wasn't quite the answer that the author was intending. But, you know, riddles are another way to teach. You know, and and we can discuss written, reading, and and video and all that here in in my next segment because I'm going to discuss my teachers and and where I came from and how I learned from them. But here it's just learning about how to teach and how to learn as a student. There are many different ways. And some can convey massive amounts of information with just a few words. Pick, choose, find what works for you. But know that if you are a forever student and you can learn from everything, then you can become one of the smartest individuals in the world. And I say one of because I, I used to say, I want to be the best. Well, it hit me once. To be the best means you are the penultimate. You are the number one that every single person is shooting for you in whatever that field may be. But if you can just be one of the best knowing that you're shooting for protection or perfection and attaining excellence, hence, you know, Vince Lombardi, then not everybody's going to shoot for you, but then also you can turn around and help the next person become one of the best. So you can create a tribe of greatness, of great individuals working together. So again, just shoot to be one of the best in anything you do, and you will be successful.
So, my teachers, the teachers that impacted my life, the people that brought me to where I am currently today, I've had many of them, and I've, throughout the last couple months, throughout my years, I've always kept them in the back of my mind, or written down their names, or attributed to them what it was I learned. Well, I wrote down a few last night, the the most important ones that I feel impacted me the most, and I broke it down into a few different categories, my early life, my schooling, and then my self-learning. Now... I'm going to tie in tools of teaching in here a little bit as well because uh, we will discuss some of the tools that even I was taught by some of these teachers. You know, teachers are important and those that impact you, that, that stick with you throughout your life, do what you can to either remain in contact with them or, or praise them, you know, by giving the gift they gave you to someone else. You know, there is a, a saying in the medical community that I will probably utilize throughout the life of this podcast is see one do one, teach one. And the easiest way I can correlate this is you know, how to set up an IV. Yeah. So when we were in the playoffs, uh, I was with the uh, Monarchs, we would do IVs after certain long games. And you know there was a, a, a road series. We went to Reading, Pennsylvania, and one of our doctors wasn't able to make it. Uh, but you know he showed me uh, how to set up an injection, an infusion site, you know, for an, an IV, which the NHL and AHL, they're illegal now as per the, the drug laws. Uh, but the ECHL, you kind of do whatever you want. The ECHL is still a little bit of the Wild West. So, you know, he showed me how to do it. And then I did it. And then I did show somebody how to do it, but it wasn't for the intention of them doing it. It was just, you know, they asked. So I've seen one, done one, teach one. And that's probably the easiest way is IVs. So, teachers, early life, my father, first and foremost, was probably the largest influential teacher in my life, and still to this day is. He still gives me nuggets of wisdom when I talk to him, and and actually I'm going to, uh, I asked him last night, I said, hey, can I interview you for the podcast? And he's kind of like, what? Like, like you're going to write down my words? I'm like, no, we're going to, I'm going to ask you some questions and get your opinion on things. He's kind of laughing, like yeah, sure. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Because I, I think he's still a little leery of what I'm doing. I don't know if he understands. So I got to try to keep explaining it. But he gave me the the best definition of intelligence I ever heard. Because I've struggled with the own intelligence I've had. And I will say, I am a very intelligent individual. But I never understood what to do with it. It was just like, why was I given this gift of being able to memorize things? Like, I was always great at tests because I could just memorize. Like, I taught myself calculus one night in in college to pass a final the next day. Again, I forgot most of it because I never had to use it. But in that moment, I was able to teach myself that because of my intelligence. But I struggled with it because it's like, okay, what is this? What is this ability? And my dad said, Matt, intelligence is not the ability. Ability to remember things, it's what you do with the things you remember. So it's basically if you take the stuff you learn and then just hoard it, it's like hoarding all the gold, hoarding all the resources, hoarding, hoarding, and that's where I've struggled because I want to give back and I want to I want to share all this. And and now that I'm finished with that athletic training side of my life to where I was able to give back to guys, I was able to teach them how to take care of their bodies and, and show them how to learn that now. I'm doing it in a different way. 
But I love that definition, and I'm actually going to ask him about that definition when I sit down with him. My mother, she was an excellent teacher. You know, she actually was a teacher. She taught, you know, physics and astronomy, and she always encouraged me in whatever it is I did enjoy, you know, or wanted to get into and enjoy eventually. You know, music being one, she she told me I wanted to learn how to play the sax. And she's like, well, you got to learn how to play the piano and read music first. So that's what I did, and, and recently I've actually re-picked up the piano, and it feels good, and I haven't played for a few days, and, you know, I, I need to, not need, I, I would like to go over there and, and play, and, I, and you know what, I'll do that after I finish this recording, you know, make that agreement with myself, you know, so my early life, my, my, my father and my mother were huge, brothers, I only had brothers, they were another one, they were the, you know, how do you interact in a group, and you know, hierarchy and who's stronger and wiser and all this stuff. And you, you sort of, you know, rough and tumble. I never really got into fights with my brothers, but you'd argue. And there's one time I wrestled one brother down, another brother pushed me down. And yeah, stuff happens. But, you know, they teach you how to interact because that's that play aspect of learning. Play is another, uh, another way of learning when you look at animals and children to a point. But animals are even, it's easier to watch, you know, baby lions, you know, cubs. You know, play, you know, bear cubs, lion cubs, whatever you want to look at, because that's how they start to learn. They bite too hard. Ooh, well, back off. You know, you learn boundaries. You learn how to interact. So early life, it's, it's your parents. And if you, if you don't, if you didn't have quality parents, I feel for you. Empathize. You know, and I say that try to work on and we'll talk about healing parent parental wounds later on. You know, when we get into the psychology of my own healing, uh, but Mother, father, brothers, amazing. Didn't have any sisters. I don't know what it's like to be around girls to a point. Uh, even my stepmom, she said she was thankful to have all boys. You know, she wouldn't have known what to do with a girl, even though she would have figured it out. Uh, it, it was kind of kind of funny when she would say that. You know, but from school, you know, it was Mrs. Johnson in second grade. She taught me how to read. How important is that? You know, Mr. Ellis, he was my soccer science soccer soccer coach, science teacher in eighth grade. He just showed me how to be a good man and be patient. Coach Jay Hay in eighth grade, when I started playing hockey, taught me how to skate. My dad tells me stories about how he, him and me, Coach Jay Hay, would take me by the shoulders and just be like, okay, Matt, okay, and be patient and slow. And he let me to learn how to stand on my edges, which enabled me to, to this day, play hockey. You know, I love still playing hockey. I haven't played in a little while, but, you know, I was playing three days a week when I was living in, in New Hampshire this last year. And I love the sport. And that's where part of me, I, I was tired of watching hockey. I just wanted to play. You know, Mrs. Mr. Johnson, who's actually not related to Mrs. Johnson, but he was a scoutmaster of mine. And he took me under his wing. And he showed me how to be another good man. And that's where when I get into masculinity in this podcast, you need men to raise boys into men. And it'll be a, there's a, there's a letter that I'm going to discuss in that podcast about masculinity because it ties in femininity and, you know, if mothers raise boys, what happens and how it ties in this, into culture and society currently. But we need good quality men to raise boys. Uh, Mr. Rick Noob, he was my German teacher in high school, you know, and he's a lifelong friend of mine. We still interact and he shared secrets with me that he hasn't shared with a lot of people, you know, but we actually shared 9-11. I walked into his class and him, Tyler Stebbins, another classmate of mine, we're like, hey, we got to turn the TV on. You hear what's happening. And that's something that comes up in any conversation we kind of have is we share that moment in time. Now, what that moment truly was and what happened on that day, we'll get into it at a different time. But you share these moments with people and you create memories. 
you know, to move on now into college, one of my professors in grad school, Professor Mary Murray, she was huge. You know, she was an athletic training professor of mine, but she saw me be, she saw me down one day and or not one day, but she saw kind of a decline because it was, it was a transition point in my life where I went from a stable structure system at Western Kentucky, which was my first experience outside of the abusive environment I had as a child and into my adolescence that I went from Western Kentucky to Seton Hall and Seton Hall, I started to decline because it was just, it was hard. And I had, didn't have my support structure around. I was living with a couple guys that were in their second year and they were partying, drinking all the time. And I'm trying to learn this new language, basically, because health is basically learning a new language. But she saw me go down and she had the empathy and the love and she believed in me. And she took me aside. She brought me into her office. She's like, how are you doing? I was like, I don't feel good. She's like, are you suicidal? And I, was, I, I can't remember if I said yes or not. But she was like, no, I'm walking you over to see a counselor because she cared. She taught me empathy. So I've had some massive, amazing teachers in my life that cared not only about certain aspects of life, uh, of, of knowledgeable life such as reading, but of just life in general, of how to interact and be a part of society and, and be there for someone else. So we've talked about my early life, my schooling, my self-learning has been one of the most important aspects because college teaches you you can just learn and i actually saw some statistic today it's like 42 percent of college students never read a book after graduation i'm like really i mean i, I can't tell you the amount of books i have read post-graduation but again i i i'm a bibliophile i love books and i and that was part of my escape as a, as a child during these abusive times um but it, it, I always knew I could self-teach, and that's now where I'm going to get into other tools other than just reading. Now, reading was a huge tool for me, you know, because I can read fast. I'll, I'll grab a book, I can finish it in a day. And people look at me, wow, you, you did that quick. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a superpower I created in essence. But then I learned that YouTube was an amazing teacher. The first person... I followed one, and, and you can have mentors that are not in your life. And Kelly Sturett, out of Mobility Wad, San Francisco CrossFit, was that first non-in-person mentor that he, he changed my entire perspective on learning and teaching and athletic training because he was teaching mobility. Now, mobility is different than flexibility. Flexibility is just the length there's a range of motion that your muscles can go through. Mobility is how your joints move. And if your joints move appropriately, the muscles on top of them and fascia will move just will move better. So he changed my entire perspective. Because school basically just teaches you how not to kill someone, at least athletic training school. But then he taught me how to truly let the body move and move through space. And then I incorporated his techniques into how to have hands-on learning and hands-on teaching and to, 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 to use those techniques on a body part, on fascial tissue, on muscle, and how muscle actually moves. But YouTube is how I learned. And then he eventually had a, a website, and you know, he eventually had to start to pay, and I did, and I was huge, and, and I'm still a Kelly Starrett philosopher, in essence. You know, but YouTube also, I learned how to be a chiropractor on there. Now, again, I don't know everything that a chiropractor does, but you come to me, I can adjust. Now, technically, am I legally allowed to? We won't talk about that. But I know how. I had to learn these things because my athletes would need them at times. Like a guy comes in, he's, man, my neck, and we're on the road. There's nobody around. Cool. Did I uh, take some liability into my hands that I shouldn't have? Well, 
what was my intent? My intent was to help them heal. And the spinal cord and it being aligned 100%. If it's not aligned, you're not going to heal. Your nervous system is not going to function. You're not going to be able to send, send signals appropriately. But that being said, YouTube, you can learn how to do this stuff on there. So make of it as you will. You know, but then once I stepped away from athletic training, I got into this, this uh, remodeling, house remodeling, you know, flipping, construction aspect of life. And I found this gentleman who went by the Essential Craftsman out of uh, Oregon. And I watched a series of 120 plus videos. And we're talking, these videos are anywhere from, you know, five, seven minutes to 20, 25 minutes long. 120 of them. Basically, I learned how to build a house by watching YouTube. And I remember hearing a story of a family, a mom with like four kids that they got evicted and like divorced. And then they just went on YouTube and built their house. And that blew me away. And that was years ago that I, that I heard this. This is before I ever became handy in the, the sense of handyman. So I used YouTube to learn how to build a house and then implemented it from flipping houses with my former job. You know, with the guy I worked for up in New Hampshire. And, you know, I eventually was installing these, man, what were they, like 15-foot I-beams because we had to replace the first floor of this house. And I'm holding it up with some of my Brazilians. And I, we put it in, and we're celebrating. I look around, I'm like, did we just do this? Like, we just did that. We just installed I-beams. Like, I, I didn't go to school for this. I went to YouTube and, like, talked to some people. So anything can be your teacher. If you're willing to pay attention, podcast is another Ryan Mickler, Order of Man. I've been, I was listening to him for a number of years. I don't really listen to him as much anymore. So I feel like I've grown to where I've just moved to other things. But podcasts, books I touched on, my three books that impacted me the, the greatest, which I'll t- discuss at a later time The Alchemist, The Education of Little Tree, and The Art of Racing in the Rain, all three of which I cried at the end of. Art of Racing in the Rain, I cried hard. But books, friends one-on-one or in a little small group asking questions and and I remember learning about factual manipulation through a a buddy of mine Corey Smith up in New York we just got together had some drinks and like we're sitting there Chris Jones him and me and you know we're hanging out we're showing each other stuff and doing like two-person fascial stretches on a body like ask your friends who know this stuff same thing with construction it's like construction again you hey how do you install this bam 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 this is how you do it you know, ask those around you that have the knowledge. And that's when it really hit me how little I knew when I started to think about the people around me and how much they knew in their own subset of whatever field or fields they knew. Like we know so little and there's, there's, there's just not enough time to learn all of it, but I want to. But that's where I, I've utilized every moment, every second to learn to ask questions. My buddy's a pilot and I've asked him questions about flying. And, you know, I, I really want to sit him down and discuss a few things of more current conspiratorial uh, research. But that's for a different day. My favorite one, though, my favorite thing I learned from just being aware. I was watching the movie Black Swan with Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman. And Natalie Portman, you know, she's a... Uh, a dancer ballerina and she's banged up and dancers I, I worked at Bard College for a few years now that college is known more for its liberal arts and its music and dance program than it ever would be for sports but it gave me uh, 
basically a laboratory to, to test all these things out on these athletes. As I was learning, it was my first job out of college. Well, I'm there, and I met some dancers, and they, five hours a day, every day, and they can't not do it or they lose their jobs. That's what's trained. Like, their profession is actually sadistic, in my, in my opinion, you know. You take a hockey player and try to put them into the dancing world, they will fail within a week. They just, they, it's completely different and it's absurd in, in the approach of how much they have to do and the pressures of what's on them to get to the highest level. So I'm watching this movie, Black Swan, and I realize this physiotherapist does a Taller Cruller manipulation on uh, Natalie Portman's ankle, which is basically a manipulation to where you readjust your ankle joint. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. The next day, the next day, Christian, Christian, oh, I'm going to forget his last name. You know, Christian, one of my soccer players, hops up on the table. And he's like, man, Matt, my ankles just feel gunky. They feel stuck. And I'm like, no way. So I grab one ankle, pop, grab the other ankle, pop. And I'm like, hey, hop down. He's like, wow. And he asked me, how'd you know that? And I, I believe I told him, oh, I just learned it last night. Actually, no. I shrugged and was like, oh, I just do. But I did later tell him that, that I learned it from a movie right before I worked on him. Pay attention to everything around you. And everything will become your teacher. Now, to the Bible, and what the Bible talks about when it talks about teachers, what it says. Now, for the most part, and actually now I'm looking at my notes, it all comes from the New Testament. Uh, Proverbs has some things, I was doing some research last night, and you know, Proverbs has a number of things, Psalms, the Old Testament has things to say about teachers. There's a lot of talk about false teachers, false prophets. You know, hypocritical teachers, which I, I do believe I touched on in, yes, Colossians 3, no, 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 it's not in that, it's a, I think it's in Timothy, but that being said, you know, I've picked out some Bible verses here, you know, and one of them actually is Jesus discussing teachers, you know, that'll be at the end here, but you know, just to, to meditate on some of the biblical teachings regarding teachers, James chapter 3, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that is so true in my opinion that you need to walk the walk. And that's what I believed in healthcare and I can't stand, or in athletic training, and then it should be obviously in healthcare, which is sick care. I cannot stand the amount of practitioners that just do not take their own health and put it in high regards to show others that they can be healthy. Lead by example. And I will call each and every one of them out. Because you know what I did for the last 10 years? I found my own health and I put in the work. Yes, I don't have children or a family and all that. Well, I had girlfriends and I was supporting people at the time. But I still put in the work because I thought it was important to walk the walk and my athletes respected me for it. 
They saw that I would work out. They saw that, you know, I did the research into my nutrition and shared it with them and, and that I lived it. And they would sort of make fun of me at times. Oh, you're just eating a steak again. Like, yeah, what of it? Like, if you embody something to its nth degree, then there's no one that can say anything to you. So again, hold yourself to the highest regard you can if you're going to teach. And that's where with this podcast, I didn't just go on here and, oh, hey, this is my thoughts. I've got outlines. I'll take pictures. You know, I'll, I'll do what I can to continue to learn how to, to, to post the information I have and you know, to show you guys what I did so that you can learn. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, Opponents must be greatly instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And it's interesting, I read that passage, and I think about a podcast I just listened to, and and this teacher, uh, who I feel I have outgrown a little, has become very hypocritical. He isn't kind. He is just spewing what feels like pent-up anger and rage, and he feels he is a chosen one because of his standing and more on that at a later time, but be kind and with someone who is an opponent. And that's where I I feel with this, this teacher, (coughs) excuse me, this teacher isn't uh, kind in the hope that they will repent. He's just causing more division. And now if someone's doing something wrong, someone's sinning, yes, you need to call them out, but you got to do it with conscious uh, kindness. Because if you try to call out someone who doesn't believe in something you believe in, and they're doing something wrong in your eyes that they think is right, you are not going to get them to see what they're doing. Because it's not about you changing them. It's about showing them the door and allowing them to see the door so they can walk through it themselves. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And now one of my uh, goals right now is to, to read the Bible front to back. And I finished the New Testament, I'm making my way through the Old Testament. I need to know this tool because it is a tool. It's God's Word. Because there's a lot of people that will try to subvert it, whether they are Christian, Jewish, Muslim. They will try to subvert this. Atheist, you name it. Know your tool inside and out if you're going to teach it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction and that touches on you know the the first verse i read from timothy with you have to be patient especially with opponents especially with your enemy you know and, and i think about something that was discussed in this podcast by this former teacher of mine that he's just creating more division and and basically putting himself up on a pedestal you are worshiping yourself in stating that you are this chosen one You have to humble yourself in front of the Lord. Humble yourself in front of others and then you will be exalted. And if there are people that are actually asking questions, and that's where he gets caught up in these arguments with people, just just block them. 
That's where on, on Instagram, if I put something that someone disagrees with and I can tell that I'm not going to be able to discuss it with them, I just block them because I, you know what, not, not worth my time where I'm trying to bring people that are starting to question and open to something's not right and I want to learn. Now, some will say that that's wrong. Cool. Judge me lest thee be judged. Thou without sin cast the first stone. These are parables. Now, John 13 verses 13 through 17. Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sends it. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do them, if you're willing to become a beginner, if you're willing to stay a student, if you're willing to fail, if you're willing, don't put yourself on a pedestal because you will be brought down faster than when you got there by the righteous, not the unrighteous, because the unrighteous will just spew and spout and scream louder than others. I'm talking about the Most High. And you get to the Most High through Jesus. And that's where again I'm trying I'm doing what I can to learn more about Jesus and God and the actual names and you know, origins and teaching myself for I am a forever student. So, in conclusion, after discussing all that I've said about teaching, learning, being a student, remember a few things. Be a student and a teacher at the same time throughout the entirety of your life. For I promise you it'll be worth it. Be okay with being a beginner, such that I've already expressed in this podcast and the previous that I'm a beginner now that I'm learning how to put these podcasts together about using technology to my benefit, not just using it as I have for so long to where I always felt not necessarily that I was cheating the system, but I wasn't giving back to it, the system that helped me self-teach. Have patience. And I have to say that to myself all the time, especially now and even yesterday when I was uh, relaxing after doing uh, my first podcast. I did all the work recording, put it together, and, and I'm recording the second one pretty close to the, the first one, but I'm going to wait a little bit to release it because I don't, I don't want to start putting things out, bam, 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 and then all of a sudden I'm, I have this feeling that, oh my God, I got to put another one out. I got to get another one out when, hey, just have patience. Take your time. Life's a journey. You don't get to where you are overnight. I'm 37 years old. It took me 37 years to get to a point where I felt like I had garnered enough information, have, an, have enough teachers and tools in front of me to present this information in a concise, well-organized, intelligent manner. So I, I remind myself all the time to have patience. And that was actually one of the last lessons my you know, therapist that helped me get through the abuse of my childhood and a lot of other things, which we'll touch on later, but one of the last lessons was have patience. You know, when you are a teacher, hold yourself to a high, high standard, high regard. 
because you're going to be judged harsher, especially if you're not walking the walk, in my opinion. And be prepared. You know, that's the Boy Scout motto. We talked about the Boy, the Boy Scout laws earlier, but the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. You know, do the work, do your homework, have the knowledge in your back pocket so that when, you know, someone does ask, not necessarily that they're coming to combat you or defy what you're doing, but when you're living more of a truth than someone else, it's going to make them use you as a mirror. So be prepared. And then when you do give that that knowledge and you share it, do it carefully. Be careful with your instruction. You know, I would say this, use every tool at your disposal, whether it's for yourself to learn or for teaching others. Books, videos, movies, podcasts, friends, family. You know, every time you're driving down the road thinking about, hey, can I do this better? Can I use it? Can I, you know, get somewhere more efficiently? Is this the best route to take? You know, because life is convoluted and, you know, if you want to get somewhere, you usually want to get there as quick as possible to a point. You know, but going through the trials and tribulations of life, you you learn and you become more efficient. That's part of my goal in life is to become the most efficient with some of the hardest tasks ever set ahead of me. And that's where I became really efficient and proficient within the athletic training career I had. You know, I, I love me time. I do. I love being alone by myself, doing me in whatever facet it is. And now... You know, it's this podcast and birthing this and sharing the knowledge I have. Use every tool to your disposal. Be a self-learner. Teach yourself. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to spend all this crazy amounts of money. And don't get me wrong, I've got student loans, but I've never let it hold me back from where I want to go and what I want to do in this life. You know, I love that the the char- or the chimes were just going off in uh, the background there. You know, right, even right now, my buddy asked me, he's, oh, you got a microphone? No, I'm just using my phone, man. I'm just starting somewhere and seeing where I can go. You know, because I said it to someone when they asked what I was up to. And, you know, at the time I was camping down in Florida and I'm like, I just want to see how high I can climb from how low I can start. Not necessarily to, you know, make money or get somewhere for fame, but more just to see what my own two hands and the insight I have, what it can do, what the impact that can be made. So be a self-learner, teach yourself. So I'll say this, in closing, learn from every experience, learn from every moment, every interaction, because everything can be your teacher.